Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast, and thank you for tuning in on this lovely Thursday morning where we are going to discuss Acts chapter 10, verses 24 through 48. And we're going to be talking about whether or not Christians have replaced the Jews. So let's discuss this today. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as I usually do, but hang on, there is a spider on my wall and I have to get rid of it. One moment. Okay, the spider is gone. So let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 10, verses 24 through 48. And as usual, I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. On the next day, they entered into Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them, having called together his relatives and his near friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. As he talked with him, he went in and found many gathered together. He said to them, You yourselves know how it is an unlawful thing for a man who is a Jew to join himself or to come to one of another nation. But God has shown me, that I shouldn't call any man unholy or unclean. Therefore, I also came without complaint when I was sent for. I ask, therefore, why did you send for me? Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer is heard, and your gifts to the needy are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and summon Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying in the house of a tanner named Simon by the seaside, When he comes, he will speak to you. Therefore, I sent to you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now, therefore, we are all present here in the sight of God to hear all things that have been commanded to you by God. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I perceive that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation, he who fears him and works righteousness is accepted to him. The word which he sent to the children of Israel, preaching good news of peace by Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened, which was proclaimed throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached, even Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they also killed, hanging him on a tree. God raised him up on the third day and gave him to be revealed, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen before by God to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that this is he who is appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that through his name, everyone who believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. They of the circumcision who believed were amazed, as many as came with Peter, Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was also poured out onto the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in other languages and magnifying God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just like us. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay some days. If you knew nothing about Peter, like at all, you never heard his name, and you only read Acts chapter 10, You could tell that Peter had some discrimination 
against people who were not Jews. In other words, Peter did not care for Gentiles very well. And you can tell that based upon this entire chapter here, where in his heart, he believed that certain people were unclean. Gentiles, to be specific, were unclean because they were not Jews. So anybody who was not a Jew, according to Peter, was an unclean individual. And you can see that also with some of his ministry, even with Jesus. When Peter went with Jesus and encountered the Phoenician woman, Peter and the other disciples were telling Jesus to send her away. And of course, Jesus did not send her away and ended up granting this woman's request. But the few times we see Peter encounter Gentiles, he's not super friendly with them. The other person I can think of is Simon the Sorcerer, where we talked about that entire story uh, probably about a month ago, where, where Simon Peter met a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. And Simon the Sorcerer was a, uh, what was he? He was a Samaritan man who was also a sorcerer. And he ended up becoming a Christian. And uh, But still, greed was in his heart. And he wanted the power of being able to give the Holy Spirit to other people. And so he asked Simon Peter if he could pay to have the power given to him to give the power out to other people. And Simon Peter was really mean to Simon the Sorcerer. Peter was basically just like, may your your money go with you to hell, is kind of what Peter said uh, to Simon the Sorcerer. Now, personally, I do think that Peter's response in that particular moment kind of showed some of his dislike and disdain of people who were not Jewish people. And anytime Peter is really around people who are not Jewish people, he, you can see that he has this deep-seated uh, disdain for them. And this is really shown here in Acts chapter 10, which is actually why I think God sent Peter to this Gentile home. I think it truly is because Peter had this resentment towards Gentiles. Now, of course, a lot of Jews at this time period certainly did. Because the Jews believed and were taught their entire lives that the Old Testament law was what made them holy. And since the other nations around the, the world didn't have the Old Testament law, they were not holy. None of them were holy. It was only the Jews that were holy. So Peter grew up hearing this his entire life. He believed it deeply. And I think that's one of the reasons why God sent Peter specifically, not Paul. Not Philip, not the other disciples we hear about in the New Testament, but Peter. He sent Peter to go and minister to these Gentile people. And to prepare Peter's heart, God actually gave Peter a vision about clean and unclean animals. And that's what we talked about uh, the other day. We mentioned how Peter had seen this vision of a sheet coming down out of heaven like a bed sheet filled with all sorts of types of animals. And God told Peter to, to rise up and kill the animals and eat them. And Peter's like, no, I am not going to do that because I am a Jewish man and I don't eat anything that is unclean. And God said to Peter, don't call things unclean that I have made clean, basically. And so Peter realized that that vision that he had seen three times, it was the same vision three separate times that Peter saw, Peter realized that God was talking to him, not necessarily about food or animals, but about human beings and how Peter in his heart 
thought that certain human beings created in God's image were unclean. So right after Peter sees this vision, three Gentile men appear at Peter's door. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter, you better go with these men. You better not question them. You better not doubt them because I sent them. Now you can imagine Peter's probable surprise when he opened the door and there was two Gentile servants, like slaves, and a Gentile Roman officer with them. (laughs) Because uh, the Jews really, really hated the Romans specifically. So you can imagine Peter was kind of like, do I really have to go with these guys? But he did. Peter obeyed the spirit. Peter obeyed God. He didn't doubt it. He didn't uh, not go with them. He went with them. So he actually invited the Roman officer and the two servants into his home and entertained them as guests and then went with them the next day. So that's where we leave off here on verse 24. On the next day, they went into Caesarea and Cornelius was waiting for them, having called together his relatives and his near friends. So Cornelius was a devout man. He was a devout Gentile Roman officer who saw a vision of an angel and this angel told Cornelius to send for Peter. So there's a lot of visions in this particular chapter. Well, anyway, Cornelius sends for Peter and is waiting for Peter to get there, like anxiously waiting. And you can see how how much Cornelius was waiting for this moment because he actually was entertaining guests. Like he brought his uh, friends and family members to his house to wait for Peter with him. Because he wanted all of his relatives and friends to be able to hear the message of Peter. Because Cornelius knew that Peter was going to bring them some sort of amazing message from God. So Cornelius finally sees Peter coming. And Cornelius goes outside to meet Peter. And he falls down at Peter's feet and worships Peter. Now there you go. You can see here that Cornelius is certainly a Gentile man uh, because he's worshiping somebody other than God. Now, I don't know where Cornelius's heart was in this. There could have been a handful of things going on here. He could have thought that Peter was the Messiah, not knowing about Jesus, possibly, possibly. I don't know how much that's true, though, because Peter does say in uh, his sermon to Cornelius and Cornelius's family members that they had heard about Jesus saying, oh, you know the story about Jesus. So I don't know what Cornelius was thinking here, but he begins worshiping Peter, which was not good, obviously. And thankfully, Peter was like, stop, stop doing this. What are you doing? And so he he pulls Cornelius up to his feet and he's like, do not worship me. I am also a man just like you. So Cornelius stops worshiping Peter (laughs) and uh, they go into the house. And that's the most amazing thing about this actually was Peter believed that Jews should have nothing to do with Gentiles, specifically going into a Gentile's home because Gentiles were considered to be very, very unclean because of the food they ate was not kosher because the practices that they held were not in line with the Old Testament laws. So Peter believed that it was unlawful for any Jewish person to enter into a Gentile home. Now, if you look at the Old Testament, there's actually nothing 
that specifically says that it is illegal or wrong for a Jewish person to enter the home of a Gentile. In fact, there's a handful of laws in the Old Testament that talk about uh, Gentiles living together with Jewish people, right? For example, servants, Gentile servants. That'd be okay for a Gentile servant to live in the same household as a Jewish person. Not to mention the laws that talk about inviting the foreigners in and being kind to the foreigners and not just inviting them in, but there's even a a verse in the Old Testament that talks about giving gifts to the foreigners that are in need. And God tells the Israelites specifically to be kind to the foreigners who live inside of Israel because Israel was once foreigners in the land of Egypt. And if Israel wanted to be treated kindly by the Egyptians, then obviously Israel should treat their foreigners kindly as well. So there's nothing in the Old Testament that you will read that says anything about it being illegal for an Israeli man to enter into a Gentile home. But of course, the Israelites probably took verses like uh, don't associate with the Gentiles, don't intermarry with them as uh, a rule for them to never enter into a Gentile home. Now, of course, those particular laws were talking about something else that was talking about peace treaties, making peace with foreign nations and beginning to worship the gods of those foreign nations. And that's why God specifically told the Israelites, do not make peace treaties with the nations that surround you because you will begin to worship their gods and that will cause you to go down the wrong path. And also don't intermarry with pagan men and women because you will begin to worship their gods. Now, of course, it's kind of the same rule that we have nowadays where a Christian is not supposed to marry, according to scripture, a non-Christian, because that means that those two individuals are unequally yoked, meaning that they will not get along well with each other (laughs) because Christian values do not go hand in hand with non-Christian values. So it's kind of the same concept, actually. God does not want Christians worshiping things that are not him. And God does not want Christians to intermarry into a family, specifically a spouse that is not a Christian also. But the Jews took some of these Old Testament laws and twisted them to something extreme where a Jewish man wasn't even allowed to step foot inside of a Gentile home. And you can also look up other ways that the Jewish uh, people mistreated Gentiles back in these days as well. One of the things I was reading on Enduring Word was um, a Jewish person would actually deny help to a Gentile woman who was giving birth if she was in a uh, bad way giving birth, because that means that another Gentile was being brought into the world. So a Jewish person wouldn't help a Gentile woman give birth. So, I mean, there's plenty of things where you can see how the Jewish people really disliked the Gentiles at at this point in time. But God did not dislike the Gentile people. Now, of course, God always dislikes sin, and he doesn't like the sin of the Gentile people just as much as he doesn't like the sin of the Jewish people. God always hates sin. But it does say in Scripture that God doesn't want any person, any single person to perish. God does not want a single human being 
to die a spiritual death. That's why Jesus was sent to the world. That's why we have John 3, 16. For God so loved the world so much that he sent his son to give life. So God hates sin, but he does not hate sinners. And so these Gentile people, obviously, they didn't have the law. And in many ways, yes, they were sinning, just as everybody sins. But God didn't hate the Gentile people. And Peter is beginning to figure this out, that God, Yahweh, does not hate Gentiles the way Jewish people hated Gentiles. So Peter enters into this home, sees all of these Gentiles waiting to hear a message from Peter. And here's what Peter says. You yourself know it's an unlawful thing for a Jew to join himself to another nation. But God has shown me that I shouldn't call any man unholy or unclean. Therefore, I came without complaint when I was sent for. So why did you send for me? So Peter's beginning to figure it out that God does not hate Gentile people. And so Peter is kind of expressing this to the Gentiles that are sitting in this room. So Cornelius recounts this uh, dream or this vision, rather, I'm sorry, this vision that he had of the angel standing next to him, commanding Cornelius to call for Peter so that Peter can give them the message. And so Cornelius says in verse 33, therefore, I sent to you at once and it was good of you to come. Now, therefore, we are all here present in the sight of God to hear all of the things that have been commanded to you by God. So Cornelius is like, well, we sent for you because we want to hear your your message. And that's why all these people are here. And I was told in a vision to send for you. So go ahead and speak. <laughs> so Peter has to give a uh, on the fly sermon here. And Peter does a great job. He just gives the gospel message. And so that's why this is why we should also have the gospel message kind of planned out in our heads in case something like this ever took place. Now, of course, this is miraculous and amazing. And I don't know if somebody will send for you in a vision for you to tell them the gospel. I don't know if uh, God would do that, but maybe because God works in really amazing ways sometimes. And so you have to have this gospel message planned out in your head because you never know an opportunity where God is going to put you in a place where you get to spread the gospel to somebody who doesn't know about it. So plan it out ahead of time. And Peter does a great job. He, he talks about Jesus. But firstly, he says, you know, you can see how flabbergasted here Peter really is. Because <laughs> he says, I perceive that God doesn't show favoritism, but that in every nation, the people who fear him and uh, works righteousness is, is acceptable to him. So Peter is flabbergasted that these Gentiles are being given the gospel, which is funny because Jesus basically said that the Gentiles were going to receive the gospel, you know, because uh, at the very end, like one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples before Jesus ascended into heaven was go out and preach the gospel to every creature, not just to Jewish people, but to every human being. But Peter is shocked, flabbergasted that God would send an angel to Cornelius so that Cornelius and all of the Gentiles in that home could receive the message of Jesus. And so Peter says, God doesn't show favoritism. I, I'm starting to believe this now. <laughs> so then in verses 36 to 43, Peter gives the salvation message. He says, Jesus was the Messiah. 
He did good works. You guys, I'm sure have heard of him. And he also died and was risen again. And I'm a witness of that. And the other disciples are witnesses of that. We even ate with Jesus after he was risen from the dead. And then he says, all the prophets testify about Jesus in verse 43, that through his name, everyone who believes in him will receive the remission of sins. And I wonder if Peter is finally piecing that together. You know, Peter says that, that everyone who believes in Jesus will receive the remission of sins. But I don't know if Peter really understood that until this moment. Now, while Peter is still speaking, it says in verse 44, suddenly the Holy Spirit begins to fall on everybody in the room, all the Gentiles in the room. The Holy Spirit is beginning to work among these Gentiles as they're listening to the gospel message that Peter is preaching to them. And as their hearts are being turned completely toward God, the Holy Spirit is given to them. So it says the people who were in the room who were of the circumcision, <laughs> that means the Jewish men that accompanied uh, Peter to go to this house were in the room and they were circumcised men. That's another reason actually why the Jewish people disliked the Gentiles was because the Jewish people were circumcised, the Jewish men, but Gentiles were not circumcised. So the Jewish men who were circumcised standing in the room are amazed that the Holy Spirit is being given to the Gentiles. So it's not just Peter here that has a problem with Gentiles. It's uh, every Jewish person <laughs> in the room here because they just didn't understand yet. They didn't understand that God loved and cared about every single human being. So they're amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the Gentiles for they heard them speaking in other languages and magnifying God. So there, these, these Gentiles suddenly begin, you know, maybe prophesying, praising God, singing possibly, and uh, speaking in other languages as well. So the gifts of the Spirit are being given to the Gentiles in the room the exact same way that it was given to the Jewish people during Pentecost, years before all of this. So then now Peter says, can anyone forbid these people, or rather these Gentiles, being baptized with water? We can't forbid this. Look, the Holy Spirit is here. They have received the Holy Spirit just like us. So Peter commands that the Gentiles in that room be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. So after this baptism takes place, Cornelius asked Peter to stay a few days. And I'm pretty sure Peter stayed. It doesn't say specifically whether he did or didn't, but it, it implies that Peter stayed. And that would be a, a heart change that Peter would have had to have because up until this point, Peter wasn't even entering into Gentile homes. And now he's staying with some Gentiles. So a lot of people believe that Christians have now replaced Jewish people. But I don't actually believe that because... Um, Jesus says that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets and the law and the prophets are not gone yet. I kind of mentioned that briefly the other day. The Old Testament is still around. The Old Testament is still here for us to to read and to look at. And I'm pretty sure Paul says something along the lines of it would be easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for God's law 
meaning the Old Testament law, to pass away. So the Old Testament law is is around and it's still here. It's still valid, but much of it has been fulfilled. It's been uh, made complete, rather, through the sacrifice of Jesus. So because the Jewish law is still around, I don't believe that Christians have replaced Jewish people. Paul kind of talks about this. He says that there's like one tree. And if the original branches are the, the Jewish people, God is willing to cut off some of those branches that aren't producing. And he's also willing to take branches from a different tree. In other words, Gentiles and graft them into this main tree. That doesn't mean that God cuts off all of the Jewish branches from that original tree and that only Gentiles are part of, um, you know, God's people now. I don't believe that at all because the original tree is still there. Some of the original branches are still there. And Gentiles like myself have been grafted in. So all of us now are kind of the same because when you graft a branch onto a tree, that's kind of like cloning the the branch to become part of the tree, if, if I'm understanding this correctly. I'm not 100% sure on, on grafting because I've never done it before, but I, I know the basic concept of it. You're, you're cloning that branch to become part of the tree. So us Gentiles, us non-Jews, have become part of the original tree because God like grafted us in and made us part of his people. So that's why I don't think that Christians have replaced Jews. More so, I think God <clears throat> broadened his family, basically, by adopting people who weren't initially his chosen people to become his chosen people, if that makes sense. Anyway, faithful listeners, uh, you know, Advent is just around the corner. I can see outside all the trees have beautiful yellow leaves. There's no more green left. Advent is around the corner. So check out the Adore Teen Girls Guide to Advent. That is a book that I wrote last year. It's one of my favorite things that I have written. It is on Amazon. You'll find it linked in the description of this podcast episode. So if you know a teenage girl, or if you are a youth leader, or if you know a youth leader that is looking for content for teenage girls this Christmas, check it out because it's coming up very, very soon and you want it before Advent. Friends and faithful listeners, I will see you all on the next episode tomorrow and we'll finish up the life of Samson tomorrow. Happy listening and God bless. Oh,